You've seen the big plays. Jaron stepping to his right, looking, looking, stopping, firing, end zone, touchdown! You've heard what the playmakers and coaches have had to say. Up for a three. Got it! But now it's time to go behind the mic with BYU Sports Broadcasters to get their distinctive take on the games. Oh, what an aggressive play! This is Behind the Mic with host Cleon Wall. We're here to bring you unique insights and stories from the BYU sports broadcasters who cover the Cougars and from the Cougars themselves. That is hammered to right field. If it's fair, it's a home run. It's a home run! In the right field corner, Cole Gamble. With his BYU baseball and softball still have a lot of work to do if they want to get into the NCAA tournament, and they will need some help as the regular season starts to wind down. Prior to the two teams' WCC weekend series, I asked baseball and softball broadcasters Jason Shepard and Spencer Linton to join me to talk about the next chapter in the Batcat season story. Cy Verley from the BYU baseball team, uh, after sweeping UNC Greensboro last weekend, especially after what happened against Utah in the game before that. Yeah, certainly the week did not start out the way that uh, anybody had hoped, certainly not anyone uh, wearing blue. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, that, that game was just really one of those weird things, like, are we really watching what we're, we're watching in terms of just the sheer number of runs that were being scored? Look, and th- let's not forget the fact that that was, that was game one of three straight games that BYU baseball would score at least 14 runs for the week. 116 combined runs were scored in four games at Miller Park last week. It was nuts. But to answer your question specifically, um, certainly, I don't, I don't know if a sigh of relief is the right terminology, but I will certainly say they were very pleased with getting their first three-game sweep of the season. And look, the thing that has, has hurt this BYU team all season long has been injuries and injuries leading to inconsistency. And so the fact that they're starting to get guys back slowly, the offense has consistently been able to put up runs. I think it was something when you look at the fact that, you know, you're you're you got a month left in the year in the regular season and you're able to still be able to put up the runs that you're doing. I think that, that it sort of reemphasized what they know they have right now and still knowing that there are some guys that potentially could come back within the next week or two. Listen, the fact that I got to go on BYU Sports Nation and project that absolutely BYU would score more than 43 runs okay, <laughs> after what happened against Utah, and they actually did it, was unbelievable. Bats are hot. As Jason said, it, it's just a matter of can they find enough health and depth and consistency and piece together the pitching staff that can get them enough wins to get them into the West Coast Conference postseason tournament? I think that's what we're all aiming for. Just get to the postseason tournament, and then anything goes. Austin Deming, you just talked about him. He was just on BYU Sports Nation. He's just been ripping it up. Is he finally there? I know he was injured earlier this year. You guys, do you think he's finally kind of – found his stride now with this BYU baseball team. Jason? I, I, I'm not sure that that was in question. Um, you mentioned that he missed some games, uh, missed 10 games, but he started the year out hot. And, you know, you, I, we were even joking with him on BYU Sports Nation. When, when you miss that many games, especially any sport, but especially in, in a sport like baseball where rhythm and, and that kind of stuff plays such a role – for him to be able to literally pick up right where he left off after missing 10 games was pretty remarkable. And and his most recent game, uh, the last game against UNC Greensboro, he was 5-for-5. Five five. He had six RBI, two home runs, including a grand slam. I mean, it was, it was almost laughable 
that they just kept pitching to him. And <laughs> because he it was like batting practice for him. And there were so many guys on that roster. I mean, it, you kind of start I mean, Ozzie Pratt, while he might not might not necessarily have the 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 power numbers, he's a guy you can't overlook because if he gets on base, his speed can take over. But then you have a freshman in Luke Anderson batting second in the order, and then Austin Deming and Cole Gamble and Ryan Sapedi, Jacob Wilk. Good luck trying to pitch around anybody. The key is getting them to the postseason, and I know that Jason will agree with me. If you can get that lineup into the West Coast Conference tournament, then anything goes. You can outscore a team. BYU can, can consistently put up, you know, eight plus runs a game, even if the pitching is just, you know, mediocre at best. They can beat some teams in the WCC tournament, and stranger things have happened. Like, there's enough offensive power that they can overcome some of the struggles and injuries that they've had defensively and on that pitching staff. The key is, just getting them to that point. Yeah. They just got to figure it out. Unfortunately, they're going to play some tough teams over the next few weeks, and so they're going to have to do it against some of the best to earn the right to even be the last team that sneaks into that bracket. Yeah, and remember, it's the top six yeah. in the conference that make the baseball conference, which this year has been moved and moving forward. Obviously, it's BYU's last in the conference, so it really doesn't matter beyond this year, but you know, it'll be played in Vegas this year as opposed to uh, picturesque Stockton, California, as it previously <laughs> has been. Uh we talked about how their pitching has really struggled. Again, they've given up 8, 8, 11 runs to UCN Green, UNC Greensboro. They gave up 29, like we talked about, to Utah's Trent Pratt, getting a bit worried about his pitching staff as we go into the home stretch of this baseball season. I think pitching's been something, uh, it's been a concern really from the from the beginning of the season. And uh, look, it's it's sometimes it's been from the starting pitching side of things other times it's been coming out of the bullpen um I, I think that's probably where the consistency needs to come the most um you know there, there have been games where BYU's given up a bunch of early runs and then the pitching sort of finds its groove and then they hold them the rest of the way uh, another storyline that you've seen from a pitching standpoint is you know BYU will put up big runs but then the pitching will allow the, the same amount of runs or more, you know, you, BYU may score four or five runs in an inning, but then the opposing team will be able to come back and score another four or five runs of their own, and it's sort of been that back and forth thing, which which really does put a lot of pressure on the offense, you know. But but you've got to think of from a pitching standpoint, what BYU lost from last year's rosters pretty significant. You lost a couple you lost a couple starters. You lost you lost guys like Cy Nielsen, who was a was a, a very good reliever. He was drafted. You lost Nate Daly, who had both roles, started the season as a starter, but then moved into a reliever role. He was drafted. Yep. You know, you had a you had a lot of guys that that you lost that you relied on from last year for a significant amount of innings, and that's where the consistency needs to come the most is on the pitching side. You got another dude to transfer to a Big Twelve school. We might see him yeah. on the you know in, a, in the form of an opponent moving into the schedule as the Power Five starts to take reality. Luke Anderson, true freshman, batting second in this lineup, yeah. playing second base. How impressive has he been this season for this Cougar club? He's been fantastic and a revelation at second base and really helped with the injury to Ozzie Pratt 
uh, being able to plug in Luke at second defensively, and he's played a great second base. And this is not his position. He was He's an outfielder. That's how he started the year. Most of his time uh, in the field has been at left field. But his ability to be able to move up, keep his bat in the lineup, which has been fantastic by itself, so to be able to have him in the lineup every day and to play as good of a second base as he has done, he was the 2021 Utah Gatorade Player of the Year out of Southern Utah. He has been fantastic, and uh, and his his power numbers have been great. He's got great speed on the base paths, and to do all of this as a freshman, he has certainly been one of the big, big bright spots uh, of a lot of really good freshman play this year. We've been talking about the WCC tournament. We're turning to softball now. And they don't even get a tournament. There are only six teams in the whole entire conference that play. It just seems, I'm sure there are reasons why they don't have a tournament, but it just seems unfair in some ways that we don't get to see a little bit of postseason before the NCAA tournament. And it's kind of what hurt them, at least in my opinion. That might have hurt them a little bit last year also, the the team, because they played really well last year. Their, Their record's not the same as it was last year, but... They played a lot of good teams out of conference, too. It just kind of stinks that they don't get to play in a WCC tournament. Yeah, it does. And I think it's because it's still such a relatively new sport. I mean, I think the WCC has only had softball for eight or nine seasons total. And BYU is a big driver in making that happen. So I don't think that a postseason tournament is ever going to happen in the West Coast uh, because there's just such a disparity between, like, the top two teams and then the rest. And so they don't feel like we need to do until it becomes a more uh, competitive conference top to bottom. There's just not going to be something that's not, it's not going to be something they need to do. Um, it would be fun to see like the top two teams battle it out. Uh, but you got to pick one or the other. And right now they've just chosen the regular season champion. And to your point, Cleon last year, BYU, I want to say they won 17 games in a row to close out the season, but their RPI was not good enough, and the WCC is a one-bid conference. And so BYU just, I mean, they, they were only out. They were like five or six spots out of that last team on the bubble. And they're in a very similar situation this year. They are playing, they're in the midst of now game two of a nine-game home stretch, and they're probably going to win them all. And then they'll get out on the road and take care of business against the West Coast Conference teams remaining. Like they might be in a scenario where they win 15 games in a row again, but are still scoreboard watching and hoping that LMU loses at least twice. Yeah. BYU lost two of three to LMU in Los Angeles. They lost two of three to LMU in Provo last year. Those two teams both finished with 13 and two conference records, but because LMU won two of the three head to head, they took the tiebreaker. BYU's facing that scenario again. They need to win the remainder of the games. Can't really afford to lose a game to anybody in conference. And you got to hope the LMU loses not once, but twice. So they're hoping the LMU's conference record is 12 and 3 or worse, and that BYU can win out, go 13 and 2, and then steal the automatic bid. Else they're looking at uh, something that has not happened in a very, very long time, and that is back to back years of missing the NCAA tournament after going. You know, the better part of a decade and a half, consistently, just straight. It was just book it, book it. BYU's in the tournament. They're good. doesn't matter the conference they play in, whether it's the Mountain West, whether it's the WAC, whether it's the, uh, the I believe they call it the West Coast Softball Conference, the WCSC <laughs> at some point when they were transitioning, or the WCC. They just win the conference and they go. They take the auto bid. 
it's going to take some scoreboard watching and rooting against LMU again for it to happen this year. Violet Zavodnik, she's been a star for Gordon Eakin's softball squad, at least her first two years. She struggled a little bit this season. Everyone goes through slumps. Is, is that what we're seeing right now with her? Is it just a little bit of a slump? Any worries from Coach Gordon Eakin at all with her? I don't know if worry is the right word. I mean, certainly there's concern because you're talking about a player that followed up her freshman year where she was the West Coast Conference Player of the Year and, of course, Freshman of the Year. That had never been done. With, you know, she overcame the sophomore slump. Like, there was no sophomore slump, which is just almost proverbial in sports terminology at this point. She still hit almost 400 last year and made another case to win the MVP of the league, ultimately losing out to a star pitcher from LMU. I still think that Violet was the best player in the league last year. She should have been the WCC player of the year two years in a row. Her sophomore slump has almost been pushed to this year. It's like a, <laughs> yeah. it's like a junior slump. Um, we're still seeing like what she can do. Even last night, she had a slap hit approach, which is typically just kind of poke something through the infield. She's got such great hands and such great wrists and so much power, and she just ripped a one-hop slap hit to the wall. It, bump, it bounced once and hit the wall, <laughs> and we were like, what in the world? Not many, not many people in the game of softball can do that. Um, so you see like these things happening, but she strikes out a lot this year. Uh, I think she's second-guessing things, um, and sometimes it's just a mental barrier, and so she's working through some mental stuff right now. Uh, being concussed and having to miss a handful of games didn't help her early in the season, and the weather hasn't helped out a lot, canceled games. like It's been hard for BYU to get into the flow. Speaking of pressure, there's someone who I don't think she's felt the pressure yet, freshman Ilana Agbayani. Yes, if you recognize that last name, her dad did play in the major leagues. She's the leadoff hitter. She's also been pitching for this team. Are you surprised that she's playing so well in her freshman season? I was talking with Taylee Williams last night about this. Sometimes there is great power in being a freshman and just not really understanding the gravity and the weight of things <laughs> just yet, which Violet Zavodnik is probably feeling because she knows the history. She knows what BYU is expected to do, and she knows what she's expected to do. Ilana comes in and is just like, what do you need me to do, coach? Okay, you need me to be like a shortstop that doesn't make any errors? Or you need me to come in and relief pitch? You need a clutch hit? I mean, Ilana had two hits against the pitcher from Stanford that had the lowest combined ERA in the entire NCAA. This girl walks in with a .13 ERA in 60 innings pitched, and all Ilana does is grab two base hits off of her in the same game, which is the first player to do that against said pitcher. So she's got supreme confidence. I kind of feel like she is mentally what Violet Zavodnik was as a freshman right now. Only she can pitch, you know, and pitch in high-level pressure scenarios and has been a hero for BYU in multiple games this year from the plate and from the pitcher circle. And then she does her thing at shortstop as well. So, I mean, Gordon Eakin raves about her. You can understand why. She she is a complete player. She could play any position on the field. I'm still waiting to find out about catcher. I need to ask about that <laughs> one. But I know she can play every other position on the field. And, yeah, she she's just kind of – she is playing and having a good time, and she doesn't – she's not playing with any pressure on her shoulders. And if I could transfer that to Violet Zavodnik, watch out. BYU absolutely will not lose another game this year. Now we just hope – that LMU drops yeah. two games and the Cougars can get back into the NCAA tournament. I also think with Agbayani, it reemphasizes the type of talent that Coach Eakin 
seeks out first and foremost, but is able to land here at BYU? Because not you can go get talent, but are they ready to how early and how quickly are they ready to contribute? And he gets a lot of players in that can come in and contribute right away. And certainly, Ilani is 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 the most recent um, example of of what he's able to bring into this program from a talent standpoint. Three of his four best players right now, like at this point in the season, three of his best four players. You could argue four of the five overall best players are freshmen. Yeah. The, crazy. Other, the other is a senior in Hunter Ava. But, I mean, you're talking about Case and Korth. She's your ace pitcher. Ilana Agbayani is your ace reliever and shortstop. And then you got the West Coast Conference Player of the Week a couple of uh, weeks ago in Haley Morrow. And she's a catcher. She wasn't even a catcher when she was supposed to begin. She's a freshman. And then Maddie Udall is your designated player. And seven games into the season, she was swinging maybe the best bat of any BYU player before she had a stress fracture from being hit by a pitch and had to sit out six weeks. So, yeah, there's a real case of four of the best five players on the team right now are all freshmen. And Violet Zavodnik somehow is not in that list. (laughs) So if she turns it on, watch out, Cleon. This, This is a team that could do some damage. Thanks to Jason and Spencer. Coming up next, no NCAA tourney for men's volleyball, but it was still an epic season. Welcome back to Behind the Mic. The BYU men's volleyball team had quite a bounce back here. I asked volleyball analyst Steve Vale about the positive vibes from this past season, and if he was holding out, hope that the Cougars would still make it into the NCAA tourney after losing to Stanford in the MPSF tournament. There was a, a, a very outside chance, but I was pretty sure uh, the fact that they didn't get into the finals, at least, that they were pretty much done. Yeah, I thought that uh, Grand Canyon had done enough throughout the season, and their record uh, was better than BYU. They beat them head-to-head. That was probably going to be Grand Canyon. Even if BYU got to the finals and lost to UCLA, um, I even then it was just going to be an outside chance for them to get past uh, Grand Canyon. Do you think the Grand Canyon um, result, if it would have been different earlier in the season, would have been flip-flop like BYU may have had a better chance of possibly getting into the tournament? Oh, absolutely. Uh, That's the bummer about sports is uh, everybody has to stay healthy. And, you know, when you lose your quarterback uh, right before – the UCLA match, they got smoked both nights uh, against UCLA, and they lost the first and went five in the second with GCU. Uh, even if they had split, um, I think it would have made a huge difference. And if Heath was healthy, I think they probably would have at least split, maybe have come away with both, because I think Heath would have absolutely careered going against his his former team, the team that kind of sat him on the bench. I think he would have played – uh, extremely well uh, that weekend. I want to get back to Heath Hughes here in a second. I, I am curious, though. UCLA is so good. If BYU had somehow beaten Stanford um, during the MPSF tournament, do you think they would have had a, a, at least a chance against UCLA? Absolutely. I, one thing that I thought was uh, UCLA is so good, I think they might have come in a little bit overconfident, especially since they kind of wiped the floor with BYU earlier in the year. Again, BYU, they were not full strength uh, when they met up with them. And they still, uh, they did okay, but they didn't do great. But I think BYU in the NPSF tournament 
I think they would have played uh, they would have played them a lot tougher. And and maybe who knows? Maybe that would have been their night. At the start of the season, we spoke about expectations for this season. Now, this was a young team, but but a talented team. How, how do you think now that the season is over? With how do you think this season went for this Cougar team after such a a down season the season before? Oh man, they they absolutely careered this year. I, I mean. Bringing in somebody as talented as Heath Hughes is one thing, but Heath being able to connect well with his hitters, run an effective offense, that still, you know, goes without, you, know, you don't know what's going to happen until he gets in the gym and starts working with those guys. They gelled very well together. The offense was crisp. Uh, they executed at a very high level. I mean, what were they picked? I think second to, uh, to finish second to the last in the conference and ended up being second in the conference. Yeah, they, they, did way better than anybody thought, and myself included, uh, this year. I was really worried going into the season what they were going to look like and, and how well they were going to be able to perform. And I was just unbelievable. I mean, what, three times, maybe four in the history of the program, they have been undefeated at home. That's insane. They played really, really well this year. You've mentioned Heath Hughes now twice, so I think we better get to that question about him. He <laughs> transfers in from from Grand Canyon. He is such a, a, a vital cog in this BYU volleyball team or machine or whatever you want to say. How much are they going to miss him now that he is not going to be on the team anymore? Yeah, that's a bummer. I, he's one of those guys you wish you had him for four years uh, for sure, just because of how well he was able to connect with everybody and the leadership that he brought. And that's not to say he would have had that leadership if he was a freshman, but coming in in this one year, it was, you know, all or nothing kind of a situation for him and for BYU for this year. Cause if, if he doesn't perform well, you know, they got Noah Hain and, and he did well, but uh, I just don't think they would have been as successful without him in the program. And so it's a bummer that he's, that he's done, but uh you know, boy, he sure came in and, and did his job. You talked about how interesting it was to see how this team was able to gel together under Heath Hughes. What were the other things that really impressed you about this volleyball team this season? Boy, there's a lot. Um, one of them, uh, Capono Brown, that kid, uh, and when Stanford was up here and played him at home, uh, boy, Capono, he just went off. Just kind of like I said, how... Uh, Keith Hughes probably would have done down at Grand Canyon going against his former team. Capono having been at Stanford, boy, he went, he played so well that weekend. And uh, all throughout the year, his serve was just unbelievable. Trent Mosier, the, the freshman coming in, uh, the, the amount of output that they got offensively also with his block and his serve. A mix is just always uh, a very steady player. And he was throughout the entire season. Great leadership for Mix Romanus. Uh, Tian Taylor, he's like one of the best blockers in the conference. And uh, I mean, that's just huge. And then you got the the senior Mitch Worthington. Uh, boy, his defense and his passing prowess. I mean, there were so many things about this team. And even a couple other guys that kept coming off the bench, like Luke Benson um, and, and Anthony, those guys also just, they were so deep in, in so many areas. And they were just very, very talented, could hurt you from anywhere on the court, uh, from the service line, the blocking, the offense, just a very well-rounded team. You just mentioned how well-rounded they are, but 
if you had to pick an MVP who it was, I mean, you could say Heath because he brought the team together. Mix Romanus, who you just mentioned not too long ago, um, he was first team all MPSF. You mentioned so many guys right there. Who would you say was the MVP of this uh, this past year's BYU volleyball squad? Yeah, I'd have to go back to Heath uh, just simply because they had all those same pieces last year, except for maybe Trent, um, and they just couldn't put anything together, uh, at least not consecutively or consistently. But with Heath in the picture, they were a completely different team than anybody thought they would be and, and shocked, I think, a lot of coaches throughout the year with how well they played. So it, it's got to be Heath. His leadership, his ability to run his offense, his blocking – his serve and his defense. God, he's what six six, and the kid was just throwing himself all over the court. He was good in all aspects, so it has to be he. Who was the guy that you saw maybe at the start of the season that you thought, yeah, he's doing pretty good, but at the end of the season, you're like, wow, he just really impressed me. He's maybe we call him the most improved player or something like who. Who was the guy on this squad that? Whether it was, and maybe you could even say back to last season, last season to this season, or maybe the start of the season to the end of the season, who's the guy that just improved so much that you were so impressed and can't wait to see him next season? Well, that's a tough one. Uh, I might want to say Trent Mosier, just even though he was a freshman and we didn't really know anything about him, uh, he, uh, I mean, he's, he's big, his block is huge, his offense is awesome, his volleyball IQ, his defense is serving. Um, he was good and consistent and stayed that way throughout the year. Uh, and even his passing, you know, a lot of times those bigger uh, outside hitters, they struggle moving to the ball and, and, and passing well. But, uh, yeah, this kid was the whole package. So I'm real excited to see him as he grows throughout his career. As we mentioned, this was a young team this past season, and they're they're gaining more, more experience as we go along. Was there something that was just – lacking this past season or or is it just experience and now they've had that experience and you're kind of thinking yeah they should be a little bit better next season i think the one thing where their passing was was good uh they ran kind of a different offense a lot of times just to keep luke on the floor because he is so physical um if we can find a way to get luke to pass the ball well consistently not the best passer in the gym but just to be somebody on the court that's not getting picked on every night and getting every serve, uh, his his serve, I mean, he served an 80-mile-an-hour fastball uh, from the service line this year, which I don't think I've ever seen. As we didn't have a, a gun all these other years, but I don't know if I've ever seen anybody. Maybe Gabby uh, Garcia, maybe he could serve that hard. That was insane. And his, I mean, he was 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, jumps 40-something inches, so big, so physical, but it's just the the passing. So, I mean, if we can dial that in and, and if BYU can be uh, very, very good at serve-receive to where they can stay in system and run their offense, um, I think they're, they're going to be really fun next year. Last question here for you, Steve. Where do you think this team ends up, at least in the MPSF next year? Are they right in that first, second, third position again? They should be. Uh, just simply on on what they did this year, their resume from 2023, they should be top two or three. Um, however, uh, those that are uh, that are voting know that the setter that kind of helped them carry on this season isn't going to be here next year. So it's possible they they might be a little bit further down. But uh, I mean, they should be picked to to be up at least in the top 
four or five. I, gosh, if it's below that, I'll be shocked. Steve, thanks a lot. I really appreciate you wrapping up the volleyball season with us. My pleasure, man. It's been fun. It's uh, it's going to be a long, what, eight months to get back <laughs> in that chair again, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Download and subscribe to Behind the Mic wherever you find podcasts or listen to all episodes on the BYU Radio app. Behind the Mic is a production of BYU Radio.